Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Today on the MBA Insider Podcast, I'm delighted because I have Joey Parker with me. And Joey is a friend of mine, as well as a former colleague of mine. We used to work together in a capacity. Uh, But now Joey is a uh, first-year MBA student at the University of California, Berkeley Haas MBA program, uh, just about to wrap up his his first year and go into the summer um, internship. But before he did that, he's kind enough to join me today. And I know Joey's had quite the year. So I'm really excited to have him come and talk about that. So first and foremost, Joey, thank you so much for joining me on on the podcast. I want to get started. But before I do, I have just just a question for you just to kind of warm up. So would love to know, you know, think back to your childhood, you know, what was that? What was the first job you had? And, and what did it what did it teach you? Or what did you learn from it? Uh, yeah, uh, first, just want to say thanks for having me, Al. Really excited to talk to you today. Um, and yeah, great question. So uh, one of my first jobs growing up was actually as a lifeguard. And um, I, you know, I, I don't think my friends who know me now would be surprised, but I took the job very seriously. Um, and I think as a person, I have a tendency to be a lot of fun, but also um, the fun police when, when the, the time comes. And yeah, and so I took the job really seriously, and I think I got made fun of for it at the time. Um, but what it really taught me was that uh, no matter what, someone always needs to play that role of, uh, um, you know, bringing the fun, but also keeping everyone in check as well. And um, glad that it helped me build the confidence to do that. <laughs> uh, I love that. And uh, as someone who regularly gets referred to as the dad of their friend group, I <laughs> certainly can can empathize with that. And Thank you. Adult supervision never hurts, especially amongst people who tend to act like children. Yeah, but yeah. I also think that it is probably a decent thing that as a lifeguard, given the scope of your responsibility, it's nice to have people who take that job seriously, as opposed to people who didn't. So I guess I'm just giving you a little bit more confidence that it probably was not a bad thing uh, to take it seriously. But, yeah. uh, you know, as we kind of move forward, um, you know, so you're wrapping up your first year at Haas, which is great. But could you maybe just start by sharing a little bit about what you did before business school? And why did you even choose to get your MBA in the first place? Yeah, great question. So um, I was in the working world for six years um, out of undergrad and prior to Haas, and I actually worked at the same company, a nonprofit called uh, Year Up. And uh, we would train young adults ages 18 to 24 in IT um, project management and just other entry level skills and then put them on six month internships at uh, tech companies. And I worked in the Chicago office for a year and then moved out to San Francisco and worked out of the Bay Area office for five years. And um, as you know, that's actually how I know you. Um, So I, I was in a couple of different roles throughout my time there. I was operations manager for a while. So overseeing our budget and just um, you know, putting processes and um, uh, things like that in place to keep the organization running. And then I also uh, spent my last year and a half there working as an account manager or a partner relations manager. Um, so I worked with Salesforce specifically and um, uh, worked with managers across different verticals there to figure out their talent needs and then place them with uh, entry-level interns from our program. And I had always thought about going to business school for a while, um, but I, I looked at it as an opportunity to learn just the basics of business. I think in my roles at Year Up, I was seeing, uh, you know, operations, finance, uh, account management, things like that uh, in a nonprofit context, and I really wanted to take that experience and translate it to the private sector. Um, and then also, I just knew that business school is a great opportunity to change careers, uh, particularly with the summer internship through the full-time program. So that's also what uh, led me to want to go to business school as well. No, I think that that's great. And I think also just given the role that you had at Europe and the type of work you did, but also the nature of Europe's program, I'm sure you also got a lot of exposure just to um, the nature of career transitions and talent 
and um, in, in you know, people changing industries or functions through either additional education or additional upskilling and things. So I, I, I got to think that that, you know, probably also gave you some context of um, if I want to do something else, what are the opportunities out there that I have to kind of enrich myself in, in, in a way to move from point A to point B um, in some kind of way? Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, you know, I had peers who got jobs at, in, at Google, at Salesforce in the tech sector from year up. And I knew that that was an option I could take. Um, but I also, I, I recognize that business school is just this like two year incubator of getting to work on yourself and, and build your skills and, and yourself as a person. And so um, I was hopeful that I would get the chance to change my career in that way. Um, so. For sure. So I guess maybe coming into Haas, um, what were you interested in exploring from a careers and recruiting perspective? You know, what did you, what did you, what did you hope to kind of transition into? So I came in to business school, um, having an idea that I was going to be pursuing consulting or tech. Um, and I think like the headline in terms of what I was looking to get out of it, um, experience wise was just opportunity to learn about the different sides of business and as much about business as I could. Um, and then long-term, like I just wanted to be positioned. I wanted to be taking steps towards a role that involved growing and building a company in some capacity. Um, and so uh, pretty quickly, I think by September, I had committed at that time to pursuing going all in on consulting. Um, I was dropping my resume at a couple of tech companies early in the fall um, just like as a, as a side pursuit, but I really was at the time going all in on, um, consulting for like the typical reasons that, that people do, particularly as just a launch pad into the corporate world and the private sector. Um, uh, and I just knew that they, um, were, uh, cast a wider net in terms of the people's, in terms of the backgrounds that they would hire into their internships. Yeah. And just to unpack that a little bit further. So you're, you come to campus, you're, mostly going for consulting, but you're also looking at, at tech. Could you talk a little bit about what that first semester was like in terms of that exploration process, in terms of learning more about consulting and um, you know, preparing for the interviews or learning the interview process, dropping resumes? Like what, what was that like? Yeah, so I would say early on, I, I wanted to take as open-minded as an approach as I could while also taking into account advice I had been repeatedly given, which was uh, that I would need to ruthlessly prioritize my time in business school. So I really couldn't do everything. Um, so what I did was uh, Haas's career office um, offered just a number of opportunities for me to start figuring out what I wanted to do. So they offered like primers, for instance, on the tech industry or consulting, um, just explaining what those industries entail. Um, Companies started coming to campus for coffee chats, so I attended a number of those or presentations. So I started attending those um, and just going to any. I think like the consulting companies started having like pre pre recruiting events um, at their offices. Like I know I went to a BCG event in July before school had even started, and and then at a certain point, um, things the semester really started picking up. I think fall B. Um, so the second quarter of uh, the first semester, things really started uh, getting busy. And so at a certain point, I just committed to going all in on consulting and just recognizing like I didn't have capacity to apply to all of the big tech companies. Um, so, but there were a couple that I really was interested in. So like dropped my resume at Google through, um, through consortium orientation program, actually, um, and I think I dropped my resume a couple other places, a role at Salesforce actually that ended up um, not panning out. Um, but then, yeah, but at a certain point, I just realized uh, I really had to double down on um, on consulting and devote, devote all my time to that one. Yeah. yeah. And can you just going a little bit deeper on consulting, because, you know, it certainly is a popular MBA career career track. And, you know, from my own experience and from talking with others, it also can be a pretty immersive one and pretty uh, busy one, particularly kind of in the first uh, um, uh, first kind of semester. So could you, you know, you, like you said, you, you decided to go all in on consulting. Could you, could you unpack a little bit about, you know, what, what was that like in terms of all the, all the work and preparation that went on, uh, in order to, to do that? Yeah. So I think 
I think in hindsight, there's like a balance. Like there, in hindsight, I think I could have started some prep earlier. Um, though I think I did start early enough. So one thing was uh, you could sign up for a one hour credit, uh, like second year student led um, class. And there was, that was all about the consulting recruiting process. So I took that class in September. It was super insightful. The second years were mostly encouraging us that like as, as long as we were in that class at that time, we were already kind of with the curve in terms of uh, preparation. And then I just remember by the time October rolled around, we had a career week that Haas's career office put together that was for everyone. And that's where um, there was a, a single networking event where all the big consulting companies were there. And that was really the beginning of things where um, I really started needing to work on my elevator pitch and and get a feel for what those, um, you know, often awkward networking events would entail. And then, and then I remember uh, once November hit, uh, I think it was or October, November. I mean, it was just constant. Uh, every week was just multiple coffee chats with uh, consulting companies on campus, um, multiple evening events at these different consulting firms. So just networking events or presentations, um, or they also would come to, uh, there was also a series where uh, once a week, a consulting company would come to campus and just lay out their recruit, their interview and recruitment process for us. And we do some practice cases. Um, and then, uh, and then in December, that's when application time rolls around. And uh, that's when you kind of, I remember shifting from the networking and the coffee chats to working on my applications, submitting them. And then once that was over, um, uh, or while that was happening and as that ended, then it was all about case prep. Um, but it was, it was overall like a super involved process, but I, um, I really learned and gained a lot from it. Um, like I'm definitely glad I went through it. Yeah, sure. And so a couple of things you said there. So number one, like, I think you're right. Um, it sounds like you, you, you did go all in and you did go all in, you know, relatively early, but um, uh, the earlier, the better, I think, if you want to do something like consulting. Um, and that's not at the expense, though, of, of trying to figure out what you want to do, because you, you, you got to make sure it is something you want to do before you go all in on it, right? Because, uh, or before you commit to it, because it's, there's nothing worse than, um, you know, kind of being one foot in the door, one foot out and not fully being able to invest in that. So I don't want to sell that exploration piece short because I do think it's, I do think it's valuable, but you know, it's a lot of times people will ask me, well, I'm going to business school. I still have a couple months. Like what, what should I be doing? And that's when I really encourage, well, if you have time now to think about it, like do some of that exploration, you know, set up some of those coffee chats with second years or alum, um, or just do some of your own exploring of yourself to really try to learn what you can because the you're not necessarily time bound by that, right? Like you, you could do that now, even even sitting in your own home in, in quarantine, like you could absolutely do something like that, like right now. Um, and you'll still have plenty of things that you need to get done when you get to school. But uh, that is something that I think people, you know, when people ask, like, what can I do to, to get started? I always say like, well, just start exploring now. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. And so I think you did get in early enough. But you know, if you had a magic wand to do it differently, um, and you were to ask me like a year ago, like, what should I be doing? I, I would encourage you or encourage anyone else to kind of do that. But um, it, it clearly you did go all in. Um, but if you had more time, like, maybe it would have helped, maybe it wouldn't have. So that that is like the one thing that that sticks out to me. And then I was going to say the other thing um, that you that you mentioned was just all of the conversations that you had with the different firms and, um, you know, the different uh, individuals who worked at those firms, whether they were alum or recruiters and, and the like, and just using those inputs to kind of feed what you were doing moving forward. And I'm just curious, um, you know, like, I think sometimes people, people hear the word like networking and coffee chats and those things. And like, I think some, most people intuitively like grasp them, but could you maybe give maybe one or two examples of how um, you, the, the, those things were, were helpful to you and either uncovering like, an insight that you didn't know or, or helping you maybe come to some more clarity about, you know, a particular aspect of uh, consulting that you either didn't know or, or trying to like sort out. So I think, I think I might speak to this a little more broadly um, and maybe apply it to consulting if I can. Uh, so when it comes to coffee chats, um, you know, I, I, 
I know that business school is sometimes derogatively referred to just a bunch of networking and or partying. Um, and I think that's definitely um, a little, I think that's a, a little bit of an exaggeration, but um, I will say the networking piece is totally true. And I think like I tallied up the number of coffee chats or like informational interviews I've had over the past year. And I think it was something, it was like, over 40 at least. Um, and some of that, a, lot, a large proportion of that was consulting and a, a, a not insignificant portion was also people in other industries as well. And looking back, it's, it's funny because I think while I was having these conversations, particularly the consulting ones, a lot of times it felt like I was having the same conversation over and over again, particularly because with consulting, you're encouraged to have at least like two to three conversations with different people at each firm. Um, and sometimes it starts to feel repetitive. Um, but then when I look back at the sum of them, I realize that they paint a much larger picture and that along the way they've been helping me kind of just, uh, tweak my thinking or interest, um, along the way with each conversation. Um, I think to talk a little bit about, a uh, kind of like a breakthrough moment for me with coffee chats. Um, I just remember, I had had a few and I just was really struggling with the thought that they were feeling super repetitive and, and, and uninformative. And, um, and I spoke with the president of our consulting club who just really helped me reframe these conversations as, um, just an opportunity to really share myself with someone and find that connection with someone to then, um, just bridge the gap between my understanding of consulting and their understanding of consulting. Um, and uh, I was just able to approach the conversations a little bit more with like a human edge as opposed to kind of like wrote, I need to hit this certain number of, of um, conversations. Um, and it was just great to get to know someone uh, and like, and understand like what they enjoyed about consulting in their jobs. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And a couple of things that stood out there. Number one, having been on the other side of informational interviews in terms of consulting as well as what I do now, um, I can absolutely tell when someone is going through the motions and just trying to do something that's on their to-do list because um, to check a box versus someone who's genuinely like just interested uh, in learning. Right. And I think, I think that is um, like, for me, at least like, I, I don't care if you don't know anything about it, but if you're curious about learning and you're genuinely interested, I'll, sure. Like I'm happy to, happy to talk to you, happy to educate. Um, the challenges I think come for me are like when people, it's clear that they're trying to just check a box to, to do it for the sake of doing it. Um, because that, um, I think you just lose so much when you're just looking at it through that lens. So that, that was like the first thing I was going to say. And then the other thing I was going to say, which I think is really good and, and why it's good to get two to three conversations with people at a particular firm is that it's very hard to find one person whose experience can encapsulate everything that that particular company has to offer. Uh, and that's whether it's consulting or banking or what, whatever it is you know, particularly at these large, you know, firms. And I certainly also think that with consulting, your experience could be very different, you know, based off of a number of different factors that I'm sure you learned about, you know, in your interviews with these people in terms of what is the staffing model? Um, you know, what type of work do they do, right? In terms of, you know, a firm that tends to do more um, shorter due diligence private equity work versus a firm that does a little bit more longer term tech implementation work, right? And so there's so many different factors that can go into it that if you're not, um, you're not evaluating uh, or having a couple of different conversations with people, I think you potentially are missing uh, holistically uh, that, that viewpoint. And so uh, I, I think it's great that the president was able to kind of reframe uh, what the conversations were meant to be, but also the fact that you did get a chance to you know, talk to a number of different people, not maybe just you know, one, because uh, I think that's really valuable. Yeah, and I think just one thing I'll add to that is um, uh, something that was really telling to me was also just like how I felt after leaving one of those conversations. Like, honestly, that that was a lot of what helped me decide on like even what firms I wanted to apply to because I didn't apply, end up applying to all of them because there were some conversations that I just left where I just didn't feel like um, I would have fit in there necessarily, which I think is a reach. But then if I, from one conversation, but as, I've, as I have multiple conversations and leave them all feeling the same way. It's, it, it can tell you something. I think that's a great point. And I think just another thing that often comes up, I'm curious if you, if you saw this as well. Um, some people, not all, but some kind of go in the mindset of 
only these four firms or only these five firms or bust, right? And, or I'm only going to do consulting if it's X, right? And to your point, I, what I liked about what you said is for you, it sounds like the lens was more along the lines of do these firms kind of meet some kind of criteria that I have for myself? And if they do, then, then yes, I, I would like to interview there versus uh, only so-and-so or bust. Yeah. And I think just like uh, another reality to that is uh, it definitely could get to uh, the time, like you're having interviews and you're waiting on offer, you're waiting for offers and you don't get any offers from the ones that you really wanted to get an offer from, or even you don't get any offers from the ones you were kind of poo-pooing earlier on. And then you're, you're a little bit stuck. Um, like, so I, I definitely saw that pan out as well. I think people's um, kind of pretension uh, yeah, went away uh, once offers, interviews and offers started coming out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let, let's talk about that a little bit more. I, I, I know that the management consulting interview processes can be challenging, um, you know, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that in, in terms of what, what you felt was challenging about it? So one, as I mentioned, so I think I'll just put this out there because um, I'm sure we'll get to it eventually, but I, I didn't get any offers out of the consulting process. I, did, I had five, um, five different rounds or five different sets of interviews with firms, um, but I didn't end up getting any offers, um, which is totally fine. And in hindsight, like I, I learned so much through that experience and when I was an undergrad, I honestly didn't know what consulting was. And so I didn't engage in the recruitment process back then. And I did, a, I, there was a part of me that knew in going to business school, I wanted to take a swing at it just to experience it. Um, Cause everyone kind of talks about it as this experience. Um, and I mean, it was challenging in a number of ways. It, there was the networking piece and I think networking's always come naturally to me, but for some reason doing it at these events where you are, you're not in competition with your peers. And I think that, I don't know if that's special to Haas, but everyone was super supportive and collaborative, which was great at these networking events. Um, but it just, it does feel a little unnatural and like you're checking a box at these networking events. And um, so just kind of navigating that and getting to a place where you're comfortable was, was a little hard, um, but I did get there over time. And then there's, um, there's just like the, the time commitment. So my as I mentioned, I think it was November where really it was just every week, um, multiple nights a week, there were events going on. It was just pretty taxing with, with school. And then lastly, there's the case prep. And I think on one hand, anyone can get where they need to get in terms of uh, doing a case interview well. It might take some people longer than others. Um, and I think um, that is one piece of it. Another piece is I didn't realize until later on that be, because I was coming from the nonprofit sector, I think there was just a deficit in terms of understanding language like gross profit and cogs and things like that, that just didn't come as naturally to me. Um, so I think, uh, you know, starting case prep sooner rather than later is always a really good idea. Um, yeah, but again, like I, I was really proud of, of the, the time and effort I put into the process that I learned a lot. Yeah. And I, one of the things I always talk to people about with, with respect to interviewing and recruiting is this idea of process, not outcomes. And you certainly obviously need an outcome in terms of getting an offer to get an internship. You know, that's obviously the goal and you should continue to shoot for that. But to your point, like, I do think there's a lot you can learn in the process if you pay attention to it, you know, as you, as you talked about in terms of while maybe you didn't get the outcome that you wanted for consulting, but number one, you did get an outcome, but number two, if you, you, the, the things you learned from it and, and what you got from, you know, the, the highs and lows from it are things that you can take with you, you know, here on forward and certainly probably built, um, some skills, um, certainly some character, um, and some resilience, um, <laughs> as well. And so, of course. um, and, and that is, I think that is, even though it's difficult at times, part of the value of the MBA experience is that you do get these experiences, which, um, in some cases are give you some really great highs and some other cases kind of give you some shitty lows and the ability to kind of take that and learn from it and, and, and have it moving forward, I think can be really valuable. And I also think in particular, 
if you're, if you're going to a top MBA program, chances are you probably had some level of success uh, in your career and, you know, getting hit in the face sometimes uh, with a challenge. Um, I'm not saying that they haven't faced that before, but sometimes getting hit with that can be uh, in the grand scheme of things, a positive thing in the moment, kind of crappy. Uh, yeah. Business school certainly beat me down and challenged me in ways that I guess I, I was hoping for out of business school, but wasn't fully expecting or prepared for. And uh, I, I, I've in the past year, I have applied to interviewed for and been rejected by more jobs than I've done any of those in the past six years. And I think part of that comes down to me challenging myself to do that and to deal with a rejection. And, um, and yeah, and, and one big part of business school, there's been like the professional learning, the professional development, there's been just learning about business and there's just this element of, of, becoming a better interviewer and job seeker. Um, and yeah, my interviewing skills are light years ahead of where they were um, sure. in the year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's dig into that further. So um, you mentioned you didn't get an offer in consulting. Can you talk a little bit more about what the interview process was like and um, you know, what was, you know, how you went through it, maybe some of the highs or lows and maybe a little bit about like what you, what you got out of that with respect to consulting okay so the interview process so i had five sets of interviews um they the consulting recruitment process was through our on-campus interviewing so it was in collaboration with our careers office um and so you know we had been i me and my classmates. And so I've been preparing for these case interviews for at least a month. Um, I think I'd done nearly 40 case interviews, like uh, practice case interviews. And you, you prepare for these kind of like certain number of archetypes of these interviews. So it could be like a profitability case or uh, a revenue growth case or market entry. And um, the reality was that I ended up getting just wildly varied uh, cases through these interviews. And so a number of them, I'm, I'm, I, each one I had was, was slightly different. So that's why I'm kind of speaking broadly. But I think in general, the interview process was, um, you know, it'd start with uh, all of them were in the same week. Um, I had multiple in the same day, which was a lot. Um, and the first round of interviews would be uh, usually a couple of case interviews, like separate ones. Um, I think Bain, for instance, the first round was just two 30 minute segments of case interviews. And I think a couple behavioral questions, if they had time to fit them in, um, another firm, uh, was like one behavior, a 30 minute behavioral interview and a 30 minute case. Um, but in general, it, it was some kind of combination of, of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the reality is like no matter how much you prepare, just like being under the gun in that moment is always more nerve wracking than you might expect. And I'm just a nervous person in general. So, um, you know, it was, it was, it was challenging. Um, and yeah. And then many of the firms would, uh, call you back that day to let you know whether you'd move forward or not. Um, so that, that was a kind of the first round of interviews. And then I did get one final round interview, um, from, from one firm. And that entailed me, um, flying down to LA with, it was like a super day. So there were, I think 30 MBAs, uh, from, uh, a couple of West coast, West coast schools there, um, to interview. And it was just like a marathon, like three or four hours of interviews. I think had like two case interviews, um, where they really just like, yeah, they, they really challenge you to like solve a problem on the spot and one behavioral, and then a, a full-on group case interview, right? To work with um, one of my classmates, but then a couple people from other schools. And um, yeah, it was my first time experiencing something like that. And it was really challenging, but uh, really, really grew a lot from it too. Yeah. And I'd love to uh, talk a little bit more about that. I, I assume that, you know, particularly as you mentioned, all these were in the same week or pretty, pretty close to each other. What was it like? you know, having to go from one firm to the next or one interview to the next, and then certainly make some time to like decompress, but also get back 
up at it to prepare, like how, like, I assume, like, it just seems like a ton of context switching in a lot of ways in terms of moving from one, inter, you know, firm to the next firm and, um, or moving from a moment when you're like, I need to breathe and like decompress, but to the next minute of being like, all right, like I got to get back in the game. Like how, how was that like? So it was definitely, it was definitely a little bit of a balancing act as you allude to, um, and I remember prior to that week, we had the opportunity to um, maybe try to switch like time interview time slots with our classmates. And I was thinking, you know, like, okay, um, the firm that I want least, I'm thinking maybe I'm going to do it this time. The firm that I want most, I'm going to do it this time because that way I'm like warmed up from the first interview, but not dead, completely dead because it's the end of the day. Um, but honestly, I mean, a lot of that just goes out the window on the day of. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what kind of mindset I was in. Um, I think like my first interviews, I think went pretty well. So, and then I think I had an hour before the next one, try to get myself in the same mindset. Um, I think it was helpful to like have a little bit of warm up from the, the first interview. Um, but I also remember, I think the three interview sets of interviews I had that day were just so wildly different um, that yeah, it was, it was just kind of like hitting a reset button each time. Um, but I think that's kind of like most of what I remember from that day. It was just a whirlwind, honestly. And I think mainly I just tried to keep myself in a state of self-confidence and keeping my cool, um, which was easier after that, the first one I had that day. Yeah, for sure. And I think to something you said earlier, I presume you can correct me if I'm wrong, but towards the latter parts of, towards the latter interviews you had, you probably were better at being able to navigate that than the ones that are earlier on. And, you know, in that kind of sense, it kind of is like riding a bike, right? Like the first time you ride a two wheeler, you fall off and you skin your knees. And then, you know, after a while of like finicking around with it, like you're, you're off and you're, you're golden. And, um, and, but it, it does, it does take a lot of, it does take some time to get used to and really building those, the, to your point of like building those interview skills, right? Like it just, it, you know, like to what you said, like you interviewed for more roles in your first couple months of business school than you had, you know, uh, prior to that. And so I think it just, it does take some time and as well as, you know, effort, right? Yeah. And the thing is about that week is, I mean, you're really encouraged by the powers that be pretty much everyone who's knows what you're going through just to, to chill by the time like that week comes around. Like, you're not cramming case prep in between these interviews. You're trying to give your brain as much rest as possible. Um, Cause I think the one thing with these case interviews that I, I really had to work on was finding this balance between having your responses and that you've semi prepared, but also being fluid and conversational and not being a robot. Um, and yeah, so once that week hits, it was just hit, it was just like game on. Um, and just trying to keep my brain as relaxed as possible outside of those interviews. Yeah. Yeah. So weekends, fortunately you don't get an offer. Tell me what that feeling was like. Um, and I sort of, <laughs> cause I, I remember chatting with you around that time. So I sort of know, but love for everyone else to know. So what, how did you feel about, or how did that feel? And then how did you kind of pick yourself up and, and take that next step? That was, I, I remember I was, it feels silly to use this word, but I was devastated. You know, I just, I put so much time and effort into the preparation. I felt like objectively I had grown, I, I had grown immensely in my ability to case interview over the, the previous like six to eight weeks. Um, but I think, and then I think I, I felt like, I felt like the amount of preparation I had done should have netted me an offer from one of those firms. And I, and I, I'll be honest, like I, you know, there were, there was at least like one firm in my list of interviews where I was just like, okay, well that's my backup. <laughs> and the interviews were just as challenging as they were at any other firm. Um, so yeah, I, I felt, I felt pretty down. I felt pretty stupid to be honest. Um, and I mean, the reality is a, a, a large number of people don't get offers. Um, and it's okay. And, but yeah, I, I actually, it took me like a week to kind of like reset and I mean, just give my mind, a, my brain a break from just really intense interview prep and 
um, feeling kind of crappy. And I think like within two weeks, I started picking myself back up. I mean, the career, the internship hunt and just the, the career aspect of business school is so paramount to why I came that I just was like, okay, it's time to keep it moving. And so relatively quickly, I just was like, okay, you know what? I'm also interested in tech. I'm interested in video games. Um, everyone tells you in business school to like shoot for the stars and you chase your dreams. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start talking to people who um, work in that industry. So I just started uh, scheduling conversations with second years who had interned, um, second year Hossies who had interned in the video game industry and just started understanding where, what I needed to do differently to now try to get an internship in that realm. Um, and then at a certain point, I started meeting with our career office again, um, though not with the consulting staff, instead with the startup and tech staff. And just, um, I remember I met with uh, our one of our external relations managers who works in tech, and he was one of the first people I met with just to understand, like, okay, did I completely miss big tech? Like, where what's the lay of the land in terms of um, recruitment uh, with tech companies? Just to understand um, where I was in that process. And uh, so yeah, so overall just um, kept it moving and started started building up the foundation of a new a new search process. Yeah, and in terms of what changed this time around, you know, what did you? I mean, obviously you were recruiting for for something different, so that changed. But what um, what did you have to do differently versus what did you just have to keep do you know doing and doing well? Um, yeah, yeah. So. I think one thing I liked about the consulting process, I think people tend to gripe about the networking and certain things that feel fake and yada, yada. But one thing I like about the, the consulting process that, is that it is so well-defined. You know exactly what you need to be doing at any point in time. Um, and then when you, uh, and then so I, I found myself in just like a uh, you know, wider ocean uh, with, the, with tech recruiting. I think what I, what, I, uh, what I started to do differently was I just started applying to, to jobs and just upping that number. So um, I hadn't been doing that too actively outside of consulting. And so Haas, I'm sure like um, other business schools has like a job board or an internship board where roles are regularly posted. Excuse me. And I, I just committed to just upping my, my application number. So if there was a role that was, remotely of interest to me and just required just a resume drop and said no cover letter required I would just drop my resume um, and see if anything came of that and I think also along the lines of what I needed to do differently was really think to myself okay um, what was it about consulting that I really uh, wanted out of my internship and I think that to sum it up it mostly aligned with like a business operations role uh, in the uh, in tech or, or otherwise um, and then are there other types of roles that will uh, help me get to that, that kind of role out of business school, if not, if, you know, if not this summer. So I really just widened the type of roles that I was applying for. Um, and then in terms of like what I kept doing, it really was just those conversations. Um, like I said, like, so I, 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 I continued just scheduling conversations with second years. Um, it was started in the video game industry. And then I think I pivoted to more, um, like I think I did get a biz ops interview somewhere. And then, so I scheduled some conversations with folks who were in work, uh, some second years who were working in biz ops to, to talk to them. Um, so just like an evolution of like con conversations and um, kind of like a, a trail I was following to my ultimate goal. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think what was good about that or what we did well in there is that it kind of the, the, in many ways, the ends, the end stayed the same. It's just the means are, are different, right? Like you were clear about, or you had a pretty, pretty good confidence in this idea around getting some exposure, some experience with business operations. It just, instead of going through management consulting, it was just going to kind of look differently through a new, a new track. And so to the degree that you can, people can laser in on, you know, what it is to your point, like what you, what do you want to get out of this? Um, you can then work with the resources you have, whether it's your, school or just through your own networking to figure out the different lanes you can use to to get there whether it's through tech or whether it's through or what within tech can can kind of help you get something similar and so um, but it does uh, the nice thing about business school is that it you do have resources at your disposal to kind of help you through that um, but 
And I think in your case, what helped you is, is being able to laser in on what that, that thing was. And certainly also acknowledging the fact that, it, you know, this is a 10, 12 week opportunity, right? And it's not, you know, doesn't, it's not going to, it's not something you have to sign up for the, the rest of your life, right? Like, but what for 10 to 12 weeks could be good to help me get some exposure to something that I think I might want to do um, for the next, I don't know, however many years. So. And there was this element of me wanting, really wanting consulting to like essentially just clear the path for the rest of my two year experience. So, okay, I get one of these internships, they pay well, hopefully I get a full-time offer out of it. I don't have to re-recruit for anything my second year. Um, And so when I didn't get it, there was this element of great. Now it's like my whole two years are affected. But then there was this other piece where I was like, okay, now I'm going to look at this whole experience as a two-year experience. And that's what allowed me to open up uh, my interests for the summer as a stepping stone to what I want to do long-term. And I think that's a great, I think that's a great um, insight and also a great kind of way in which you pivoted your approach because uh, now it opens your aperture a little bit to, to just broadening it of even outside of the internship, right? Cause it's like, okay, well, there's obviously this internship and I want that and I want that experience, but what else, if I know that I'm going to have to recruit anyway during my second year, like what else can I do that would help strengthen more exposure to that? Whether that's classes, a project, working with a startup, you know, and the list goes on. Um, Exactly. So you did land something, which is fantastic. Um, Can you talk about, you know, how you were able to, to, to get that opportunity and, and how that kind of came about? Yeah. So I'm going to be, interning uh, on the marketing strategy and analytics team at Salesforce this summer, which I am super excited about. I think outside of consulting, um, thinking about tech as my other area, industry of interest, Salesforce is definitely at the top of my list um, in terms of where I'd like to intern and work. And I think part of that is because of my just great experience working with Salesforce in my roles at Europe. Um, And so I think, so when I landed, so I, the interview process for this one started in March. And so I'd actually applied to a role at Salesforce way back in the fall. And I think this story is a testament to how things will pan out for you, hopefully. And there are different avenues to get where you're trying to get. Um, But I applied to a role at Salesforce in the fall. They ended up, um, they ended up pulling the role from, uh, they just stopped, they ended up pulling it. So they weren't filling it anymore. Um, I think they just canceled it. Um, But I did meet the recruiter, uh, the MBA recruiter at Ramba, which is an LGBTQ MBA conference that happens in the fall. Um, let her know I was super interested in Salesforce. And so when March came around, Salesforce posted a couple more internships. I applied to one, emailed the recruiter. Um, she actually directed, so I emailed her and let her know I applied. And she actually directed me to the one I hadn't applied to yet. Um, and that's what uh, just got the ball rolling in terms of um, the the interview process for that one. And a uh, in like March was also when things just started picking up for me in general. Uh, I had an, uh, a number of interviews at different tech companies. Um, and then when, uh, you know, things with COVID-19 started happening, all of those other interview processes actually just melted away. Um, and I think at least one of them was in the final stages. Uh, but thankfully Salesforce, uh, panned out, um, and yeah, I actually had to do a assignment, like a take home assignment as part of the final leg of the process. And it was the second one I had done uh, as part of interviewing at a tech company. Um, and yeah, and that just panned out. The whole interview process took, took a, about a month. Um, and I was super excited and grateful to get something from there. Yeah. And I, I, I like the story, not just because of the outcome, but also because of the fact that um, a, a no never means a no forever. It just means that at this given point, you know, it's a no. I mean, that first rule you applied to back in the fall, right? Well, that ended up not even becoming a thing for anyone, right? And so, yep. um, but because you had been able to build a relationship uh, to start and when something else came up, you know, certainly that helped like a ton. Um, and I think that is sometimes the thing with networking that can sometimes be a challenge is that it's not like a, if A, then B, it's kind of like more like yeah. if A, maybe in like six months, possibly <laughs> B, or if yep. not B, like C, D, or like, or E. Um, I've had a couple other experiences that are like that too, but yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, that's a little bit how, how you and me are connected. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, as someone who kind of, um, backstory, like I've kind of been, um, uh, like in, uh, in touch with Joey throughout his, is kind of like recruitment, you know, search and process. And, um, these things don't work linearly, linearly as you would like them to a lot of yeah. times. Um, it can be kind of a lot of starts and stops or a lot of twists and turns, but I think that, um, uh, if, if you can, um, number one, I think it is about being able to build relationships early and for the sake of it being a good relationship, not because you're expecting, you know, something like I, I don't think you were expecting to be handed a job offer in, in the fall, even if that would have been nice. Um, but, um, you know, and then certainly to keep in touch as you, as you can, right. I mean, um, you know, the recruiters have very busy jobs, but, that said, like part of their job is to find good candidates who are a good fit for roles. And so um, I find that they do when they when they think they can find one, like they will respond or they will. They're more than happy to to help you out. But it's a combination of, you know, having that trust with them and also having, you know, have them having a good sense of who you are and, and, and what you're looking for. And, um, you know, oftentimes that doesn't necessarily just happen from one conversation. It, it happens from an actual you know relationship and certainly also. Uh, in, in Joey's case, I think what also helped you is that, you know, this was not your first rodeo with this company, right? Like you had some built in kind of past, you know, experience there too. Um, yeah. so all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And just, sorry, just to speak to the relationship piece, but, um, you know, it's like, uh, the recruiter was the one who ultimately made, you know, made the offer call. And I mean, it was exciting for both of us and it's like, okay, we, we've known each, we've met back in September and, uh, you know, I was really expressing eagerness to work at Salesforce and then fast forward a number of months. And, um, you know, she gets to call me on the phone and tell me that I got an internship and I'm just like super, super excited. And so, um, it's like nice to, yeah. because of that relationship, we were kind of like on a journey together and that's oh, a for little, sure. yeah, 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 no. And like, just to add to that, um, two, I've had two instances now in my career that I've, where I've taken jobs that have changed my career, but the reason why I got those jobs was because of the relationship that I had with the recruiter and, um, out of undergrad. Um, and if my friends who are listening, they won't be shocked by this, but I did not have the GPA required to, <laughs> to be technically be evaluated for, or like, uh, the GPA threshold, um, for, uh, for Deloitte. And, but through building a relationship with the recruiter, she was the one who really went to bat for me and really pushed the hiring team to kind of, um, look past that. And again, from, um, the, one of the internship I ended up getting for my summer internship, uh, similar to you, the first role I applied to didn't end up getting anything out of it, but it was only after later on in the, the, the year and at the end of April, when I had to start looking for an internship again, because my offer got rescinded where I saw another role at this company and I reached out to that recruiter who remembered me. And what ended up happening was, is that I actually had another exploding offer that I had to make a decision on and I really wanted to do this final round interview, but uh, the recruiter tried and she couldn't get it moved up. And I was about to accept this other exploding offer when she called me back and said, uh, I got the team to make an offer. Will you accept it right now? Like without having to do a final round. And I said like, yes. Um, But again, like that was her uh, going to bat for me and making that call and really pushing the team. And so and if, if that, if she didn't do that, like I would not be where I am right now. Like literally, like I, I just, like my life would have just gone off in a different way. And so, and for that, I'm forever grateful to her. Um, but the, the takeaway though, for me was like, um, you know, that these relationships sometimes, like, it's so funny I've, to your point, like I've never met this recruiter in person. We've had conversations over the phone, but uh, because of the relationship that we built, like she was able to go to great lengths to make something happen. And um, just as she, like, I was super excited to have that call with her. She was super excited because, um, you know, she was able to, to make, uh, to, she knew how much I wanted to work there and how excited I was and was super jazzed to kind of bring me on. But, um, I always remember that story because, uh, it is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people still hire people, right. And no matter how much technology we have, like people do. And so, um, those relationships can really lead to, to things when, when built correctly. That's great. So, um, okay. So you, 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 you've learned a lot. You've got some highs, got some lows. You've, you've come out, you know, much better than not much better. I should say <laughs> come out a much more, uh, tried and tested than you did sure. in the beginning. Um, I'm curious, 
Um, you know, particularly as a career switcher, what advice do you have uh, for other MBA students who uh, are also career switchers as they think about, you know, navigating the recruiting process? So that is a good question. I think, you know, it's just, it's interesting, uh, you know, finding myself like halfway through the business school experience. And I think I, I'm, I'm wrapping up this year a lot more confident than I was at the beginning of the year, but I think I definitely still have a lot of growing to do over the next year as well. Um, and I mean, you'll hear this a lot, um, but really I would encourage you not to, my advice would be just not to look at it as, um, you know, how you get from immediately like a straight line from point A to point Z, but what are the steps? What are the experiences? What are the things you can get involved in at business school that can help you get where you're trying to go? And so I'd really in a similar vein, encourage anyone uh, in business school or considering going to look at it really as like a two year experience and less as like this sprint towards your summer internship that'll hopefully lead to a full-time offer. So then you can just, you know, coast your second year or whatever you might think. Um, some really good advice I was given by our, the, the startup specialist at our, uh, in our career office. Um, when I was just trying to figure out how to uh, position myself to get an internship at a, at a startup, um, you know, he, his, his advice was, uh, like a really great way to do that is through taking on like an internship or a side project with a company over the course of your second semester, first year or something along those lines that could potentially lead to something over the summer. Um, and I think that's particularly relevant now um, just with COVID-19 and everything going on. Internships are, um, as people typically think about them are a little harder to come by than they would normally be. And so um, some folks are having to get creative about what that internship might look like. Um, and it can start with um, uh, the folks who, the folks who have been supporting companies already uh, like outside of school, with just like a side project or side work have a little bit of an in this summer um, if they'd be looking to work at, at those places. Great. Well, Joey, thanks so much for joining and for sharing a little bit of your story and, and your first year and, and how you were able to navigate it and look forward to hearing how successful your internship goes this summer. Yeah, thanks, Al. Um, looking forward to, to just seeing what else you put out. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.